Thank you, Hugh, for adding to that song. That was good. That was good. Scripture reading this morning is from Romans chapter 10, verses 4 through 17, or on page 9 of your worship folder. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Andrea, for that. Um, for those that don't know me, my name is Jeremy. This is the first time I get to say this, but I'm on staff here at uh, Fremantle. Uh, Lee announced that a few weeks ago, but it's official. Um, we've decided to make things official. So my role here at the church is the minister of discipleship which like any good church role sounds very made up, but that's great. Um, but to kind of explain really quickly what that is, it, it's really around formation. Um, so there's three areas of formation that I've been tasked with kind of overseeing. And one of that's organizational formation, which if you know church structures kind of sits in that executive pastor kind of mentality, writing contracts, looking at policies, the things everyone loves to do, right? The second one is around discipleship, which we'll talk about looking at our discipleship formation. And part of this text will help kind of lead into what discipleship stuff we're looking at kind of moving in the future. And then the third part of that is our church planting formation, which Lee last week uh, preached kind of about the vision of Fremantle Church moving forward um, and where we're going. And if you missed that sermon, it would be great for you to go back uh, if you call this place home to hear that, whether check out on the Facebook or on our podcast. But if I can turn your attention to page 15, um, this is where our identity statement and our five-year vision sits. So if you're like, what's this idea of church planning that's in there? You can read through that. But we're really going to look at this one-year vision and where we're going um, and kind of with my role as in, in this discipleship space, what are we doing? So I'm going to start with that. If we can just, I'll just read this one-year vision. Fremantle Church will have a fully engaged, Christ-centered, gospel-saturated spiritual formation track that equips all of its people across all stages of life. This will move people from belonging to believing, from believing to becoming, and from becoming to being the church of Christ. So we want to be Christ-centered. We want to be gospel-saturated. But I love the cadence of that last part. I love the cadence of we want to go from belonging to believing, from believing to becoming, and from becoming to being the church of Christ. For me, that shows movement. That shows, oh, we're on a pathway. We're going somewhere. And, and when I think of that, that's why this verse in Romans completely stood out because of the same kind of cadence, that movement that we want to see. But when we're talking about this, we're breaking it down to a core going, this is really discipleship we want to see over the next year. 
We want to see this discipleship process to be engaged and formed and kind of happen in our lives. Lee preached last week on the great commandment. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the great commission, which is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you. That is the Jeremy paraphrase. Don't uh, get at me if that's not exactly uh, the way it's, it's written. But those two ideas. So, so in this idea of the great commission, go and make disciples. All right, that's a fancy term or that's a church term. What does that practically mean? What is discipleship? And I work here, and I also work for Churches of Christ uh, in WA, and I get to work with a lot of senior pastors on discipleship processes and what that looks like and how to do discipleship well in their church. Uh, And this is always the messiest start of the conversation because everyone has their own opinion of what discipleship is and what discipleship looks like. So I decided the best way to kind of nail down what I think discipleship is is to quote someone that's very way smarter than I am. Uh, I feel like that's the safest, safest way. And there's this American uh, Christian philosopher whose name was Dallas Willard, uh, and he writes this about discipleship, and I love kind of his idea of what discipleship is. He says, is a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. A disciple is not a person who has things under control or knows a lot of things. Disciples simply are people who are constantly revising their affairs to carry through on their decision to follow Jesus. So he says a disciple is the most important thing. Is that Jesus is the most important thing in your life? That's what a discipleship is. A disciple is you don't have it all together. You don't, not everything's under your control. You don't necessarily know everything either. But this idea of you're constantly revising your affairs, you're constantly changing the things in your heart to follow Jesus in a deeper level. When Lee was talking last week about uh, church planning and that we want to plant two churches in the next five years, he talked about the resources that's going to take. And maybe that's something God's even challenging us on in a financial state, that we want to partner with, with God and what he's doing in his ministry to give more to this place, to provide more resources uh, so that we can do things to the building and hire more staff and, and plant more churches or whatever it might be. But that as we're going on this journey, that we're trying to revise these affairs in our lives, that we, we're trying to move closer to who Jesus is. We live in a difficult society where, where things are constantly changing and kind of our norms and the things that we're used to as churches, as Christians, we, we need to constantly be revising our affairs and, and standing on what the truth is and what the Bible says, uh, but also understanding how to live in this world and how to connect with people. Continuing on that idea of, of this discipleship and, and using that great commission, you know, the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, this last commission he's given to his disciples. He said, go and make disciples. And for me growing up, I was always uh, taught that the go was go overseas. That's probably why I'm here. Um, That the go was go, go as far as you you can. 
being overseas missionaries, where are you going? But then probably as I was getting into high school and into college uh, in the U.S., the go started changing and people started looking at the text in this idea of as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I've commanded you. I'm going to put a caveat in here. I still think people need to go overseas and be missionaries and serve wherever God may have them. But we all can do that as we are going. We can all commit to kind of that belief that as we're going to uni, as we're going to work, as we're going to a family connection, as we're going to catch up with friends, that we're trying to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. This just feels like something that we, we should be doing all the time. That it's not just for the paid Christian that stands up here on a Sunday to be doing, but this was a command to those that call themselves believers, that call themselves disciples of Jesus Christ that we should be doing. If I'm being quite honest with you, I, even as a paid Christian, have not baptized someone in a long time. <laughs> I get to teach quite regularly, but, but that part of, of the command or the commission, I've even uh, not probably taken on board as clearly as I should. And for me, it's how do we move as a congregation into that discipleship practice? How do we see ourselves as people that can do this, that, that we listen to this great commission, not just as a good idea for the senior minister or a good idea for the associate or, or, or the paid staff, but as us as in individuals, how do we live out that great commission in our everyday life? There's a quote, we're about to get into the scripture we read, but there's a quote that sticks out in my mind uh, whenever I think of this section of verses in Romans 10. It's also in Isaiah. But it's this quote from a guy named Carl F.H. Henry. And it says this, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. It's like the medication for a migraine, right? It does no good if it sits on the shelf. Oh, we got something to fix that, but it just sits there. Well, that's not good news for me. Until you take it. If I can read the Romans 10, 14, 17, again, it says, how then can they call on him who they have not believed? You can't call on someone that you, you don't know. How are they to believe in him who they've never heard? If you've never heard of this Jesus, how could you have a relationship with him? How are they to hear without someone preaching? If no one shares that message with you, if, if the gospel doesn't get there in time, is it good news? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. I had a moment um, where this probably was the most 
jumped off the page to me as the most real ever in my life. I uh, worked for an organization in the U.S. that took people that were thinking about career missionaries after I said, don't worry about the go, you know. Um, I took people overseas that were thinking about being career missionaries to kind of give them a bit of a, a, a taster of what that would look like uh, if they were considering that and whether or not that would fit for them. And I was in a, uh, China, and I was working with an, uh, an orphanage that was connected to a school, um, and it was just after Christmas time, and I'm talking to the guy that runs the orphanage, uh, and he's sharing of a, of a conversation he had with a few of the teachers uh, kind of the week before. He, they were doing a bunch of stuff around Christmas, so he kind of got to share the whole Christmas story. So baby Jesus all the way through, miracles, life, discipleship, dying on a cross, resurrecting, um, and told that whole story all the way through. And you could tell the teachers were quite shaken by it, and, and I don't know if they were crying or what they were feeling. I wasn't a part. I was just hearing this secondhand from this uh, missionary. And he looked at me at, during this conversation, and he asked a simple question. He's like, didn't Jesus die for these people too? And for me, I, I, on my way back into the main city in China, uh, it was about an hour and a half trip, this verse from Romans 10, 14, 17, that quote from Carl F.H. Henry, uh, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time, just never rang truer. I served some time in Morocco, too, and... Um, one of the things the missionaries was saying to me is, we talk about that story of the sower and the seed and throwing the rocks, you know, and, and that you want to throw some seeds and they land on rocks, but, but you want to throw seeds on good soil. And, and one of the things that they, I said, oh, where are you guys in this story? And they're like, we're not, we're not even throwing seeds. We're pulling away the rocks of what people think Christianity, what people think of who Jesus is. The culture has so told them that this is who Jesus is, and we're just trying to be that light and pull those rocks away. Maybe that's part of your story. Maybe that's what you need to do in people, that they have a preconceived notion, this is what a Christian is, this is what a, someone that follows Jesus looks like, and you need to pull rocks away. Maybe it's that you need to sow seeds. But it's only good news if it gets there on time. As a congregation, to be living out this discipleship call, we need to be the mouthpiece. That as we are going, we are sharing this news to people who may have never heard. And you might go, but, but Jeremy, what if I mess it up? If you were perfect at it, that would be very impressive and you would start teaching here very regularly. We see in our Bibles that God used flawed individuals throughout history to share his story. Some of the mo most prolific people in the Bible, a man after God's own heart also had a sexual affair and got that husband killed. We see a man that was chasing Christians down be one of the most prolific writers after God got a hold of him and used him even in his flawed and brokenness. 
and this may catch you guys off guard, but you have been preached to by flawed individuals each week. <laughs> Lee and I would be the first to say, if you put us on a pedestal and think that we're not flawed, you will be very vastly mistaken. Just come have a conversation with us and you know how bad we are. So practically, in this one-year vision, how are we going to move people from this belonging to believing, from believing to becoming, and from becoming to becoming the, churches of Christ, the church of Christ? I think the only way this actually happens is that if we see this as our role as a community. That those that call themselves Christians, those that call this place Frio their home, understanding that this was the last kind of commission that God gave us uh, before he resurrected into heaven, that we need to be living that out ourselves. That we have a responsibility. There's this idea that, that the priesthood of all believers, that we all have a responsibility to, to share our faith and to step up that it's just not for those that stand up here on a Sunday morning. Now, practically, what does that look like? One of the phrases that I'm going to use, especially if you run a ministry here, is I'm going to use the term apprentice quite a, a lot. And you're going to get sick and tired of me asking who your apprentice is. But I think in an Aussie culture, we really understand this idea of an apprentice. We understand this idea of sitting under someone that may have a bit more knowledge than us or, or, or farther down the road that, with us. We can learn a skill off of them. We can learn something off of them to the point where we feel fully confident in it to do it ourselves and then to almost take another apprentice on. So practically, when we think about apprenticeship, we have four Bible studies that meet, which I'm sure during announcements with Angus, he might point you to those Bible studies. But we have four Bible studies that meet, and I go, okay, so if we look at those four Bible studies, could all of them have someone that's an apprentice that's learning how to run a Bible study that in a year's time, they could take their own Bible study? And practically, as we're thinking about church planning down the road, if we go from four Bible studies this year to this time next year having eight Bible studies, and in two years' time we go from eight Bible studies to 16 Bible studies, you know, we're almost filled up in this place with only four Bible studies. Imagine if we were doing 16 Bible studies. We couldn't fit in this building. We would need to move out. Part of us would have to split off and look somewhere else to be. The same goes not just with Bible studies, it goes with kids' church. Who are we training up? It goes with worship teams. It goes with our church planning teams as we church plant. Who are our apprentice church planters as we go? But then it also goes for us individually. Who are we pouring into? Are we living this call out that as we are going, we are making disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them all that I have commanded you? If you've been in church for a while, you know something about faith. 
you know something about Jesus, there are things that you have learned that others don't know that you can teach and you can show. There's no condemnation in saying, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I think oftentimes we get worried that we need to do the saving of people. But that's also not our role. That's the Holy Spirit's work. We just want to keep moving people along. We want to see people moving through this, that they belong and then they believe, that they believe and then they become. And from becoming to becoming the church of Christ. Why don't you just close your eyes um, right now and I'm going to just finish in prayer. But maybe there's a person in your life that you've been wanting to pour into. Maybe there's someone that that you want to speak into. Maybe there's not. I'm not going to try to make this into something that's not there. Maybe you go, oh, I've been a Christian for so long, uh, but I haven't even probably lived out these discipleship practices myself. And maybe that's a commitment you want to make in your own heart. I don't know where people are at at the moment. I'm not going to pretend to know. But I'm just going to let that sit there for about 30 seconds, and then I'm going to close in prayer. What's going on for you? What's that internal wrestle that you're feeling right now? What's sitting on your heart? Lord God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to know him and to be known by him. Lord, let us realize as Christians, as disciples of you, we just have a responsibility to play in this work of discipleship. That we want people to know who you are that we want to be like in Romans 10. We want to be those that have beautiful feet because we bring the good news. So Lord, just in our culture and in our society, trying to figure out how does that work? How does that play out? What does that practically look like? Let us wrestle with that. Let us be bold in the way that we walk, in the way that we live. And let us serve not only Fremantle, but our communities wherever we're, we're situated, Lord, and across Perth. That we are known as people that are lights for you. That we are known as people that walk in a way to make disciples. So, Lord, if anything is not from you today, we just pray that that burns up. We don't remember it. 
But Lord, if it is from you, let it plant seeds in our hearts. Let it live on. Let, let, let it not just leave us as we walk out this door. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.